Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Wife of an SA for 13 years, married for 12. We have three young kids together. He has never been in recovery. He has had a few sober spells over the years. D-Day, 11 years ago, he had a relapse that lasted four months, and he took his addiction further than he ever did. He always had webcam sex, uh, massage with happy ending, and prostitutes. In the last relapse, he also went to um, bars, got um, high, and picked up women. Yeah, and picked up women and had sex. He is now sober for 13 days, and he goes to a meeting daily and sees the CSAT once a week. I go to a meeting daily thanks to Seeking Integrity and and work with an AppSets coach. My question is, how is it possible to get over this level of betrayal and recklessness, especially after reading Out of the Doghouse, going to a meeting once a week and seeing a CSAT for two years? He should have known better. Any thoughts as it, is it possible to heal this relationship? So that's a lot, but let's start with the, the well, he should have known better. Well, where do you want to start? Well, I just come up with the first thing, which is exactly what you're going to say. I know yeah. you, I know you after 20 years of liquor <laughs> or whatever. The question is, why is he going to one meeting a week? He's slipping. He's struggling. He should be at four meetings a week. I mean, if the goal is to change behavior and it's not working with one, you got to try two or three or four, you know, so I am concerned. First of all, I'm really, really sorry. He's going to a meeting daily now, but he's been sober for 13 days. So, but reading yeah, out of was, dog has and going to meetings yeah. once a week. Right. Well, that's at the bottom. That's what he was doing. He but now, yeah. So in the middle now. Oh, well, okay. In the last now, 13 days, he's been right. going to a meeting a week. Okay. So um, first of all, I don't think you should. First, I don't know that there's, I'm trying to make a light, right? I don't think there's ever fully getting over betrayal because I think that, that, you know, as we say, once a crack is, once a plate is broken, you'll always see the crack, even if you glue it back together. So that naive sense of that person would never walk out the door and do anything that would ever hurt me, that's gone. And now you know they could and that they will, or they have. So um, I'm honestly, the first thing comes up for me is, are you STD tested? Are you making sure he's wearing a condom? You know, I cannot tell you how many men I work with who are like, oh, well, I don't have HIV or, uh, or I paid attention to COVID or even better. I know her pretty well. She would never be with anyone. I mean, all that BS. So I know you spouses, it's horrifying. It's the last thing you'd want to do. And you don't have to see your doctor. You can go to an anonymous doctor, but it's really important that you get tested. So especially with all these kinds of different acting outs. I also, what one of the things I was thinking about, and I'm just going to throw different things out is, is he aware that he can get arrested? And if he has any kind of, if he teaches at a school, if he's a doctor, if he works as a therapist, a, a, a chiropractor, a, a lawyer, any kind of license, he will lose that license or get it suspended when he is arrested for prostitutes. And don't think, by the way, you, you made a distinction, which is massage with happy ending and prostitutes. Massage with happy ending is seeing a prostitute. You're paying someone for sex. So what you're telling me is he pays people online, which is webcam sex. He goes to massage parlors and pays them. And then he sees sex workers who he pays. And I bet you he picked up all the drinks for those women, you know, all of that. So I'm just concerned that he is not not only endangering your safety personally and not certainly just your emotional safety, but he's also endangering your income, his reputation, your family's reputation. Tammy knows we had a client's spouse 
who he was, I won't say what he did for a living. Let's say he was a dentist and he'd had an affair with a number of people where he worked and his spouse, while he was in treatment, made a dozen signs and put them up around town and around say, do not see this dentist. He's been fooling around with the people at work. So, you know, it can absolutely affect your kids, your life, you know, so there is the arrest thing. There's a disease thing. Um, I don't think that you're ever fully going to get over betrayal, but you're certainly not going to get over this level of betrayal in 13 days. Um, I, I, I would be curious whether, and I don't see it, he told you about his slipping and acting out or whether you found out. I'm not sure, Tammy, if that's there. I didn't see that, but I'm betting that it, I'm betting that there is some discovery that's, that's more likely to have happened. Yeah. That so if you found stuff, that's even less likely that you're going to feel trusting because at least, you know, you folks, I mean, you don't want us to act out. You hate if we act out. You'd rather be not be with us if we act out. But if we can simply learn the lesson of being honest with you and telling you what we're struggling with. Tammy, I have so many partners who come, who bring their history of their, how do I say this? At Seeking Integrity, we read letters from partners. And I can't tell you how many partners have said, I can live with your struggle. If you just told me we could struggle together and we are so focused as addicts on getting away with and not getting in trouble for, and we don't understand the bigger picture, which is in our relationship, you may hate what I'm doing, but I could talk about it with you. You might get furious, but what you're going to notice is different. If I'm really in recovery is I'm coming to you and I'm telling you what I'm struggling with. It may be a bad night, but overall you as a partner are going to think, well, I hate what's going on, but this is different. He came to me. So if we don't come to you, that's an even greater level of betrayal. So I think your question is kind of, what's the word? Hopeful, but unrealistic because you are so far away from, I would be so far away from a place of forgiveness and coming to terms. I, in 13 days, I, I would absolutely be infuriated. So um, I think what you're asking for is a little too soon. Uh, to have it, and a lot of changes would have to go forward for that to me to feel more trusting. Um, well, and I hope but, he's not sleeping in your bed. Right, but after reading, you know, part part of your question is exactly what we talk about with you know with people who you know call us and are seeking a higher level of help. Um, is that well, he read a book. You know, I get I get lots of guys that well, I read Sex Addiction One Hundred and One. I was like, you know what? If you could magically read a book and get it. And have this like aha moment and now be on a different path we'd all read one book and be fine that isn't recovery it's it's like it's a daily journey and what i heard was you know was seeing a csat i you know dr rob used to see individual clients he doesn't anymore he only works with the clients that are at our seeking integrity treatment program but you know even if you're seeing an amazing csat guess what one 50 minute session once a week you know is not going to conquer a 24 seven issue. It's, you know, when the guys come to us at treatment there, it's stopped the problematic behavior, but it's addressed the underlying issues and have a plan. Are they all fixed in 14, 21 or 28 days? No, no, but they have a solid plan and the support to be able to move forward in a very different way. So they have that shift. And so I appreciate that he's now going to a meeting a day, you know, so you know, Dr. Rob said it a little bit ago, you know, if what you're doing isn't enough, you know, increase the level. Maybe he needs to see his, you know, CSAT twice a week. You know, I, I'm glad you're seeing. Maybe he needs to come out here and I, I know let I was, me get a hold of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do that. yeah, but yeah, you have three young kids, you know, so right. I mean, like this is 
bad for you. I get it. I'm not. And, and, but you know, he's broken. You, you guys are struggling, but you have three kids that regardless of whether you stay together or not, and many, many couples heal, you know, you will always co-parent. You will co-grandparent. I'm a grandparent. You will co-grandparent at some point and be, having him be the best version of of who he can be in recovery. You know, our, I love that our program is called Seeking Integrity. We strive for personal integrity and we want to help our clients have that as well. So, you know, so I'm really passionate about this. So you are in the, the very like you know, like the house is burning down and everything's going on. So give yourself some grace, understand that th you are in the crisis and projecting to what it, it can be in the future. I can, I can absolutely tell you lots of couples, you know, find healing, lots of couples move forward and you have that shadow of, you know, the trauma and you don't ever trust him like you did, but he can live in integrity. You, you can see a very different man, um, you know, if he's willing to do the work, but right have, now is um, take care of you so go ahead just a couple of them notes because mm -hmm. you know by the way if you see me looking down and doing this i'm not checking my phone i'm taking notes mm -hmm. um so first of all i i don't believe that this is all he's done i think there's a lot more there you don't know about this is what you've heard about this is what he's told you this is what he's seen but with this history of acting out he's still hiding a whole bunch of stuff and i'm not suggesting you go look for it or no, even ask for it but i no. think within you you have to know that this is not it and what does that mean to you I also, um, a couple other things, um, uh, three kids, right? So I'll just tell a little story. Tammy's heard this before. I, I often say to the men, whether I, I do consultations online, so I often will see people for two hours, often couples trying to help them figure out what their next steps are. You know, should they go to this? Should they read that? Should they go to treatment? Whatever that is. And um, one of the things that I say to the men is, do you think you've been a good husband? The men who are involved in heterosexual marriages and married. And they often say, nah, you know, as they should, <laughs> haven't been the best husband. And then I say to them, have you been a good dad? And they like, well, of course I've been a good dad. I mean, I always brought home this and I always did this for them. And I went to their this and I, you know, help them with homework. And, and my answer is, well, how, you know, my response is, I don't think so. Because how can you really be a good father if your primary goal isn't supporting the mother of your children? Because for you women who have children, that's not everyone here, but for you women who have children, you know how much support you need, especially when there's three young ones at home. And when you're not only not getting the support you need, by the way, when he's doing all those things, he could be at home helping, but also it leaves you anxious. It leaves you fearful. It leaves you worried, just like you are in all this. How can you parent your kids in the best way possible if you're so distracted and you have so much anxiety? So to the men who say, well, I've been a terrible husband, but I've been a pretty good dad, my answer is no. Addicts are not good to anybody. And while they, you may not have a direct effect on your kids, although if you're yelling at each other, certainly you might. Um, if you're not supporting your family and your spouse who has running around with these kids, you're hurting your children too. Um, the last thing I wanted to say, and Tammy, I think we'll, we'll appreciate this, is your real question in here is, how is it possible to get over this level of betrayal and recklessness? And to me, that sounds like, in a way, you're kind of questioning where you're coming from. When will I feel forgiveness? When will I accept his apologies? When will I get over this? And I just think that's not the right question to be asking. I think the right question is, well, the right way of thinking about it is, my God, I may be 
having these feelings for a very long time. And that's understandable considering all that I have been through. So rather than pushing away your feelings, wondering when they're going to end and can you feel better and forgive, which I completely understand, I would be at the other end, which is I'm not sure if I can ever feel better about this. And I'm not sure if I can ever support him in this. And by the way, again, you've got three little ones at home. And that is a, no matter how much you love them, no matter how wonderful they are, it's a drain. You know, it's a lot of work. And and nobody needs to do that alone, which it sounds like you are. So anyway, sad story. Lots of help we can give, others can give. There's work to be done here. Yes, but lean into the, there's Betrayed Partner Groups on sexandrelationshiphealing.com. And they're free. We have, well, yeah, and then we've got the Betrayed Partner Work Group that starts again in early October. That's a, you know, that's that's different. But um, uh, yeah, like I, yeah, like Dr. Robin, I both said, give yourself grace, get yourself support, you know, and uh, don't believe anything his lips are saying. It's only what his actions are. And please, please, please don't ask for more gory details. Well, and don't ask for the gory details because I, you know, I agree with you, Dr. Rob, there's more, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, I hate when partners you know have no support and find out all this stuff and it just is i call it a vomit disclosure because you're vomited all over you and you know the stench is on you and the addict's going gosh i feel better now you know because i've been honest and you know no it's just made a huge you know a worse place for the betrayed partner so okay on to the next one as a recovering addict six months into this journey is healthy is it healthy to be in a relationship with people that are in active addiction? My partner of two years has been addicted to cannabis for five years to cope with his lived experiences and mental health conditions. He has been in therapy for three months. I don't feel it will impact my recovery because my choice to use or not use isn't based on what other people do or don't do. Being so early in my recovery, I don't want to judge my partner for their cannabis use. However, for some reason, it really bothers me. I just feel like now I'm running towards myself and my partner is running away from um, from themselves. How does one coexist in a relationship where one partner is in recovery and the other is in active addiction? I'm in love with him and don't want to end the relationship, but I'm concerned we may soon be on two different paths. So, Tim, I would love your help with this because I'm confused whether it's the addict who's writing this or the partner. Yes, as a recovering says, as addict. A recovering addict, but then it says yes. where one partner's in recovery. Uh, yeah, so is it no, the, the, spouse, the, the, the addict partner? is writing, I'm on right. this recovery path, but I'm in a relationship with somebody who is in active addiction and you know, trying to navigate what do I do? I really care about this person, but you know, we, we are well, on different paths. I think Tammy's the best person to answer this, but I'll just say one thing, which is, um, and she may completely disagree. It's not up to me to decide someone else's behavior is an addiction or not. Um, someone may smoke pot every day or have a glass of wine every day, whatever the heck they do, and that's how they live. And if you're not an active alcoholic or addict, you know, I don't think you get to say, well, you have a problem and I don't want you to do this anymore. Now you can say, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Or I don't feel like we have the time to have real discussions that I want to have. Or if you just, you know, did it on the weekend, we would have chance. In other words, you can say how it affects you and how con- your concerns for how it affects your relationship. But when addicts get shut down is when you say you're a pot addict and you're this and you're that. And we're never because we're going to do that um, in my experience. So um, part of it is and I do think. You're running toward yourself. I don't know whether your partner, what your partner is doing. I don't think you do either, but I think you get to say what you need and what you want and what works for you. Um, so Tammy, I think there's lots of ways to look at this and I'd love your opinion here. 
Yeah, well, and I, you know, I agree with you. Like my my addiction is my issue. You know, other people. Let's go to substances. You know, the it, like other people can you know, drink or not drink. There are occasions when I've been with somebody um, uh, and they're drinking something and I'll say, could you pull that? You know, like I could smell it or something. It was just bothering me, you know, or like my husband, I'll say, would you please not have this particular drink, you know, tonight? Cause I, I just don't need the mental stuff. That's me. And I'm in a really good place to be able to ask for that. Um, ultimately I can get up and leave if I want to, but I hear here's what I hear with you. You're, you're doing good work. You're doing your thing. And then your partner is behind, but has started a path is in therapy. And so we're all on these journeys. And, you know, if you can find um, a safe way to have your recovery, so it isn't affecting and that you aren't getting a resentment because, you know, this person is doing it. I think speaking your needs of like, you know, when you're like this, I mean, when somebody's, you know, high, you can't really um, connect with them in a real and meaningful way because they're high. You know, it's like somebody being drunk or or somebody acting out sexually. If you're sitting there doing porn nonstop, guess what? You're not available to someone else. So so I think it's fair to say, you know, this is affecting our relationship. I'm wondering if there's a way we can find that works, you know, or or you can say, you know, if you when you're doing this, I need to go for, a, you know, Dr. Rob talked about his sanity walk, you know, in the afternoon. I need to go mm-hmm. for a walk. I need to go take care of myself. I need to go to a meeting or do that. Will the relationship survive? You know, I I hope you you love you you love your partner. Hopefully, your partner loves you. Hopefully, your partner, you know, is is getting the help so that they don't feel like they're use they have to use the cannabis to deal with the the life. Ex- I mean, all of us addicts use something behavior or substances to mask our feelings to get away from things that have happened to us i call it maladaptive coping mechanisms yeah yeah so so maybe your partner's you know just a few months behind you and finding their finding their journey well and i i just i want to call out a little red flag for me which is uh my partner's been addicted to cannabis for five years to cope with his lived experience and mental health conditions uh, no, he's been addicted to cannabis or using cannabis because he wants to. You know, there are people who use and they don't have those experiences in their past, but they use because they want to. So it does feel like there's even, and, and as a therapist, I may understand what is underneath someone using, but as a partner, you don't need to make excuses. You can just say, I don't like what you're doing and I don't care why you're doing it. It just upsets me. The other thing that I, I think would be really helpful if there is love here. First, I wouldn't talk about this when, when, he, when they're high. No right. point talking about this when they're high. They're going to be defensive. They're going to shut down. They're, they're not being, and they're not going to be available. But what I might say is, I love you so much. And I'm really working hard to get well. And now I think you and I could really grow our, our relationship to a deeper level or heal some of our past issues or whatever. But when we, when we have the time to talk, do that, you're not here. And I don't know how to heal us if you're not present in the time we have to work on us. See, that, that takes it out of you're an addict I or you have a problem that. or you don't. Right. It's simply saying, I love you and I want to connect with you. It's so non-defensive. It's good therapy talk. I care about you. I want to help you. And you're in the way because this is in the way. And you know, ultimately, you're saying, do you want to pick me and getting closer to me? Or do you want to keep doing what you're doing? But it's not a threat. It's a dis- And that's what you're saying. I love them. I want to get closer. But this is not helping. Tell them that. Um, and then stop trying to be closer if they're ever stoned. 
you know, just watch TV, ignore them, talk to your friend, go to a meeting, because uh, what you want with them is not available when they're stoned or high or drinking or whatever. Well, and and the mental, like now he's starting to get help. So we talked earlier, if what you're doing isn't enough up the, you know, maybe seeing the mental health professional twice a week, you know, and if there's real stuff going on, then, then seeing somebody who understands addiction and can test for, you know, psychiatric conditions or something like that and put on a medication that actually would treat things, you know, from a, a to medical standpoint, yeah, right, right. Like there's all kinds of ways. So a good, good call on that, that, you know, self-medicating is not, you know, I mean, that's what all of us addicts do is we self-medicate because well, we're going to say that healthy people, self, healthy people self-medicate. You know, I've had a really hard day. I'm not an alcoholic, but I have a glass of wine to relax. That is self-medicating, but it's not a problem for them. They don't have right. to have it every night. They can go for a swim and have the same experience. You know, um, I drink to be social. I relax with friends. You know, there are re- ways that, I mean, alcohol has been a part of our, and weed for that matter, has been a part of human history for eons as a social way to engage, as a re- way to move along a relationship when you're feeling anxious or tense. But that's very different than this repetitive pattern of keeping you out by going into my head. Right, um, right. I wanted to say a couple of quick things because we're at the halfway mark, if that's okay, more okay. or less. I, you know, we're not here to sell things, but I do want to let you know that it helps us if you're interested in our stuff. So we have about 14 groups that are free, plus podcasts and webinars and all that stuff. And the courses that we teach are dead on in terms of sex addiction, porn addiction, relationship betrayal. Um, healing broken relationships like out of the doghouse. And I have to say to you, addicts, that. Um, saying, I'm going to take the course and I'm going to work on it. It's a little cheat sheet. Will make your partner feel better because they're going to see you sitting at that computer, working with people, doing homework, buying the workbook. Um, and so, it, and we don't charge lots of money, but it's incredibly useful to have that thought piece and not just the therapy piece and not just the meeting piece, but actually understand what's wrong with me. Where does it come from? What is it in my brain? What is relapse prevention? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say one more thing about our courses, Tammy, just for, for everyone who's listening. Some men and women who are cheating, men in particular, I don't think we have a women's course, will sign up for a course called Out of the Doghouse because it's a course written for men to heal a relationship when they have cheated. So if I cheated on you and I have stopped cheating on you and I want to figure out how to understand what you're going through and how I can make it better, then Out of the Doghouse is a great course and a great book for you. But if you're still in the problem, then taking Out of the Doghouse or reading Out of the Doghouse is sort of like can be used as a manipulation to get you to feel better while I continue to act out. So, you know, I often say to someone says, well, I should should take Out of the Doghouse. I'm in a lot of trouble with my spouse. I'm like, but have you really focused on the addiction? Maybe you t- need to take a porn addiction course. Maybe you need to take a sex addiction course because learning to have empathy for someone while you're still hurting them is not going to be useful. So, um, you know, these are steps that are there. We teach it for a reason because we think it's absolutely essential to the work. Um, so I want to throw it out there about our courses. And I'll say one more thing. Tammy never, ever mentions this, but she does support sessions. 
and she will sit for 30 minutes or do you do 25 or 50? I do actually more 50 minute sessions than 25. And Tammy will speak from a recovery perspective from having worked in this field for so long, from talking to so many spouses, from watching the treatment process and from being a woman who understands and lived in and around addiction. So you don't have to do something fancy to gather information or get feedback. You can just reach out to Tammy. We refer to other people where you refer to us. You know, we are uh, we are an all purpose resource. So, um, you know, if so, we can help um, with any of it, go ahead, yeah. Tammy. And well, I want to tag on. So I don't just work with partners. I actually have a fair number of addicts or couples that, you know, that reach out for support. So those are on Seeking Integrity. And my colleagues, Jason, who teaches out of the doghouse and Sex Addiction 101, also works with couples, addicts, partners. And then Scott Brassard, who does, he also does, he only does addicts. He's, he's, he, he, he recognized that he's good with addicts. So that, that works for him. So those are low cost and the, you know, their support sessions. I say, how can I support you today? And it goes from there, but I work, you know, I, I want to help people find the resources that they need. So, so check them out. If they're a good fit, Dr. Rob does expert consultations. I do refer, you know, there are people I, I probably, more. yeah, they cost a lot more because they're Dr. Rob. So, um, but to, I mean, one couple shared that they had been to four different therapists over a two-year period of time, and no one was able to identify their issues or give them help, floundering around for two years. And they probably knew that they needed help before that, but they they just were floundering. They and I feel guidance. so bad for them. Yeah. So to have, you know, and I have people going, oh, we, you know, we don't know what to do. And I was like, get some help, get pointed in the right direction rather than floundering for two years. So if you want um, information about that, you can sign up for the support sessions online, the Dr. Rob contact me and I'll tell you his availability for those. So, but anyway. Thank you. I really appreciate being able to give that little plug because some people think, oh, I can't afford a treatment center, or I go to that group already, and, you know, or I'm in therapy, but, you know, there are things that you need to understand. There's our heart and soul, but there's also our brain. I want to say one other thing, which is Jason, who is at the treatment center and also does these sessions, he went to Fuller. He has a master's in divinity. So part of our program, there are people who have deeply meaningful spirituality. There are people who don't quite understand it, but I think it's important. We actually have on staff someone who is trained at Fuller, which I think is about as high as you can get it is. in it's training good, yeah, professional yeah. Uh, pastors and stuff. They are there and they talk to the guys about that, but he can also support you looking at spirituality and religion and belief systems versus, you know, how can I still stay with them if I have these beliefs, for example, or that kind of, as a couple, how do we come together in a spirituality when we've had such a schism between us for so long? Um, that's part of why Jason is there. And he is at the center full time. Everybody gets to see him. So anyway, that's the end of our plugs. No, no, no. Three more things about that. So therapists recommend the work groups. So it's not in place of therapy. It is in addition to therapy. Two, the work groups. I have people that go, well, I read out of the doghouse. I'm going to take the, or sex addiction 101, take the work group anyway, because what you read will be very surface and having it live facilitated. These are not videos. It's live facilitated and working with other people. And you'll have these aha moments where going, oh, I hadn't thought about that. It's kind of like you were talking about with the impact letters when there's other people, you like you hear things differently. You get a different lens. Again, if you could just read a book and magically be fixed, you know, we'd all read a book. And I think so. They gain relationships. 
I mean, oh, yeah, I have guys absolutely. who go to the group and they're like, oh, can I get your email or partners yes. are like, oh, I totally relate to you. Could we start yes. chatting? So, yes. you know, that's an experience you don't get from a book as well. You get to connect with people with the same issues. You don't have to reach out to them. You can sit no. there quietly and disengage. Correct. But there are people who you might find something you can learn from or connect to. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.